Could you survive a nuclear winter? And what the heck is the real field temperature? Let's learn a thing or two. All right, welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Welcome back. Matt, everything looks great. We're here. We're ready to podcast. We're recording. And oh yeah, I have something dark. Well, not dark. Well, recently it snowed. That's why I wanted to talk. It's kind of involving Snow's a good thing. Snowball fights, snow angels. Snow is good. It's classes canceled. It's kind of... Snow is the icon of winter. But what if it snowed in, like, July? What if it snowed because of nuclear war? Matt, today I'm talking about a nuclear war fallout of a nuclear winter. Ooh. Because when they say nuclear winter, do they mean, like, a period of just, like, death? Or do they mean actual, like, winter climate change i mean an ice age caused by oh ice age our own poor practices so Excellent movies by the way this ice age a great sid the sloth um now the whole thing with the an idea of a nuclear winter it all starts well after we invented the nuclear bomb it's this fear of us getting so violent that we blow up if two countries go to war, they send all their nukes, like thousands and thousands of nukes, that so much soot and carbon is thrown into the atmosphere that it blocks out the sun, which damages the ozone, which lets let less light into the atmosphere, which chills the earth by a couple hun- a couple degrees, but just a little variation on the temperature is enough to send earth into chaos in a frozen wasteland. I believe it. And these nuclear winters, if they were to occur, would cause famine and just bad bad times because due to the fact that less light to grow crops cold frost can kill crops a war they did a study for if pakistan and india went to war with their nuclear arms it would send the whole world into chaos a nuclear winter just just those two countries yeah just those two countries is enough to affect the whole world is it true that the united states has the most nuclear weapons isn't that yeah, we got a True. bunch. We almost have, uh, we have an absurd amount, like too many. <laughs> like, so yeah. we would really mess things up. No matter what, it's now since we think of it like that, it's no longer just thinking of the fallout of the attack itself, but it all goes into the aftermaths of these wars. If we were to go to war with these nuclear weapons, the it would be more than just the immediate damage, but it would be the la- the long lasting effects of it on our earth Mm -hmm. i mean in a sense for a brief second those things are stronger than the sun the nuclear fission that happens is so drastic that it rips up the ground around it and if bombs are dropped in metropolitan cities the burning that would happen for days on days is enough to cause major ecological effects across the world in an urban area yeah especially to those rural areas the the crops Nothing could grow. I mean, we've, we've seen examples of this, like, uh, you know, Chernobyl. Nothing's fertile over there. No. You can't grow crops to sustain life. But the funny thing is about a nuclear winter is it's it's the, I, it's loved in science fiction. Like The nuclear winter. Everyone goes underground. Everybody goes underground that? and yeah. hides. There's um, this uh, book called Metro 2035, I think. Oh, who wrote that? Do you know? Um, no, but Was it? there's games about it now as well. Okay. And there's a new game coming out called Metro Exodus, which they go to the surface and it's a nuclear winter. Oh. It's such a fantasized thing in like pop culture that like 
war will happen and then the aftermath it's going to be mutated polar bears roaming the earth with nuclear polar ash falling from creatures. the sky so what you're, it's not necessarily science fiction this is the this is the actual result of what will happen after nuclear war correct the yeah nuclear winter yeah not a lot of things will be happy not far off yeah no things are going to die things are going to burn people will not really survive because it's it's an atmosphere that's not meant for humans yeah so scientists like carl sagan actually he went into like understanding like how this like what would happen and he was one of the scientists that did the test to see like what would happen if just like nuclear uh pakistan and india went at it Mm -hmm. and i just think it's so fascinating because it's very obtainable like even world war ii the major fire bombings of cities the ash and soot that was created actually affected areas around them didn't some of those cities like dresden in world war ii they couldn't see the sun for like a week straight or something like that just from fire bombings that wasn't even nuclear fission that yeah i created that so yeah because the big issue is that is not the bomb itself a nuclear winter is not the bomb itself going off it's the aftermath of it landing in an urban city and the city burning on days on end atmospheric shift yeah yeah that's where it would all occur so it would be in a sense a man-made ice age of us burning burning it is ourselves essentially a man-made ice age will we be able to breathe above ground if that were to happen because the ozone layer wouldn't be there which means harmful radiation getting onto earth which means we can't come in contact with those Race, but if we cover up could we still breathe we could we could breathe the ozone doesn't like all the earth all the oxygen won't be sucked out into space yeah the gravitational fo- fields all still hold that in but things would be toxic but yeah you're gonna yeah. get sunburn going outside because of the uv coming right through the ozone yeah, microwave burn is that a thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the issue also is nuclear winter is kind of just like the blanket statement of if this chaos was to occur like what what would we do what would happen but there's been theorizing of you know yellowstone is a giant volcano Mm -hmm. and if yellowstone were to go off the same effects would happen as well because of all the soot and all the volcanic ash going into the sky overdue am i correct it's millennia overdue at this point but it's a kind of creepy thing to think about like death and destruction based on nature or man-made just literally the sky being blacked out by ash but like that happens to volcanoes areas around them hawaii mount st helens i know people have talked about how after the volcano went off the sky was covered and you didn't see the sun Mm -hmm. and those small things they like even if the temperature were to change one degree like in Today, I'm sure it's going to go from 40 degrees to 41 degrees, mm-hmm. but a permanent change over time, it does have large lasting effects mm-hmm. on this earth. Yeah. Because like earth is an anomaly in itself being placed in a spot that's close enough to the sun that's warm, but not too close. That's too hot. Mm-hmm. And that it's a in a spot. Atmosphere, oxygen, like life. Itself. Any alterations to that could cause drastic changes and now there's volcanoes that could cause this winter there's our own nuclear actions and also meteorites that's in a sense what killed the dinosaurs a big asteroid landing on earth creating 
in a sense the same scenario of going into the atmosphere causing damage that just killed the dinosaurs yeah i watched a video once even not even having a meteor hit the earth but go past it pretty close by would have similar you know life ending effects as if a meteor actually actually hit earth which is pretty crazy to think that that it can come close without touching us but it can still mess everything up you know not like spin the the opposite (laughs) direction but you know Temperature changes, atmospheric changes. So yeah. who knows? Life could end in an instant based off of these possible winters approaching. So right now we're we're testing the odds living, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of a shocker. Winter is always coming. Yeah. Whether it's the volcanoes under Yellowstone, the asteroids coming from space, or our own nuclear winters Was we that are a creating. Game of Thrones reference? Yes, it is. I am so excited. <laughs> it comes back in two months. <laughs> but. Uh, I've watched videos, and actually, I was studying some um, ancient Nordic maps the other day in my one class, and we were talking about the ice age. There are periods of natural reoccurring ice ages, and you can can compare it to, like, I don't know, the economic market troughs and and peaks. You know, it's kind of the ice age. Now we're out of the ice age. Ice age. When are we going to go into the next natural ice age? But, you know, maybe man will get there first, right? the earth is changing contrary to popular belief there is global warming i can tell you that Fact. <laughs> global warming is real and it, it as it heats up it then as you said it's these troughs it heats up and then it will cool down eventually mm-hmm. and it will just keep going with this ebb and flow but man's effect on this earth will affect that we have the power to trump everything you know yeah yeah uh a we quote stop the earth I quote I wanted to say that is now gone because my computer uh, restarted before we started to record was the guy who made the atom bomb, the Manhattan uh, Project. Mm -hmm. Like after the fact, he was quoted. He's like, I am now death, the bringer. Like I am now the god of death. Have you read Cat's Cradle? No, I haven't. You should read Cat's Cradle. I'm going to reread it on my vacation. What's it about? The creator of the the, um, atom bomb, actually. But it's, it's a fictional account of it but it has those ideas of like i am death pretty much and feeling and, and human morality so nuclear winter will hopefully never come at least not on our behalf or at least not while i'm still here but i don't know i feel like it might happen who, I, yeah who knows if it does happen if any nuclear anything related to nuclear happens though it's it's not just gonna happen it's gonna happen yeah, it's that extreme. That it's that bending of physics as we know it. The fission. Just the everything. amount of people, like the amount of things that could happen on this earth, mm-hmm. like it's totally possible thing to occur. Yeah, anything, so, even volcanoes. I feel like these smaller volcanoes that we have globally. Like I, I lived in Ecuador for a little bit. There were two volcanoes that were active, and they actually erupted um, within the past twenty years. And it wasn't that big of a deal. They erupted, you know, some lava flowed out, the sky was black, but it wasn't like a huge eruption. I feel like that puts people at ease. You're like, okay, volcanoes are manageable. But no, once we get the one bad volcano, bad things are going to happen. One bad time is all you need to ruin your Ecuadorian vacation. Yeah, and life as we know it. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. But that's what I have on the nuclear winter that might be approaching you who knows we're in winter now maybe in a nuclear winter sometime soon hopefully not i i'm gonna throw it back i i did an episode explaining how 
nuclear bombs work. Yes, actually. you did. So I don't know which number that is. Do you remember the it's number? It's in the 40s, I believe. Yeah, one of our 40s episodes. But it was a cool episode. I like that. The research was really interesting, how nuclear fission and reaction actually works. So, Matt, before this episode, we've been trying to – we still try to go in blind, but I always ask Matt for, like, a one- or two-word description of what's to come. That's perfect. That's and, week, Thomas. And today, Matt hit me with temp. So I s- thought temp, temperature, winter, nuclear winter. All right, that's my topic. But Matt, just by sending temp, what are you what are you here to talk about? We're talking temperature, Thomas. Oh, that but was not a... just temperature. <laughs> what, what do you think when I say real feel temperature? Re- what? Real, real feel? feel temperature. Like my real feel? Like your real feel. My real feelings? You know, your not not your real feelings. Okay. Your yeah, your real sensations. You know, we all have the weather app on our phone in some sort of manner, whether you downloaded it from weather.com or whatever, but they all have something called real feel, and the real feel is never really the same as the actual temperature. Oh, I'm like, what the heck, Thomas? What what's the actual temperature outside? Are you talking real feel? Like I go outside, the temperature is forty six, but it feels like twenty one exactly what i'm talking about today so if i don't know for example if we had a nuclear winter you know will there be weather stations i don't know but they're saying it's like okay it's 20 degrees outside real feel i don't know what is it 10 degrees now seems like it's always like 10 degrees lower now doesn't that have to do with like wind and pressure like what's there are a bunch of factors which i'll get into but first let me just define what temperature is so temperature is the degree or intensity of heat present in a substance or object, especially as expressed according to a comparative scale and shown by a thermometer or perceived by touch. So it can be thermometer, mercury level, reacting, or you can be like, ooh, hot, cold. Okay. Pretty pretty basic. You <laughs> yeah. Know? We're going to get into some thermodynamics to explain the reaction of like, ooh, hot, ooh, cold. But first, let's go into the number one accurate um, AccuWeather Real Feel Temperature. So this is actually like a registered trademark name. Like Real Feel is their thing. They have it AccuWeather. AccuWeather Real Feel Temperature. Okay. So on a hot and humid day with bright sunshine and no wind, the temperature reading simply does not tell enough information about how it feels outside. So the AccuWeather Real Feel, that's the one I'm going about, the temperature does just that. The Real Feel uses multiple factors. So here are the factors. Ready? So we have temperature, number one. Okay. Thermometer. That makes sense. Basic. Humidity, cloud cover, sun intensity, and wind to explain how hot or cold it is outside. I feel like that makes sense. Like you could have a summer day, but like 90% humidity, and that's a different than a summer day with no humidity Absolutely. at all. And think about it. Sun coverage is a huge part of it. Say you're in the city. On a hot summer day, you go, go behind a building. It's like 20 degrees colder. Yeah. It's crazy, especially if it's like a concrete building that, that conducts that cold air. So the AccuWeather Real Feel was created in the 1990s by some, some guys at the, at the weather station. Um, in comparison, the standard heat index for what we know, temperature, like when you read it on your phone, it's normally just factors of temperature and humidity. Okay. So it is temperature at its core, but they also factor in humidity, many of them. Um, the equation also takes into consideration of how people perceive weather. So not everyone perceives temperature the same exact way. So, for example, the stronger the wind, the faster the heat is getting removed from your body. Some people hold heat better than others. So that's where I'm going to get into some thermodynamics for you. So as Thermodynamics for Idiots explains, it's a great website I went on, heat follows cold, you know. If, if I'm warmer than the environment, the environment's going to kind of take the heat away from me. My heat in my body is going into the cold room, and then I'm getting colder, you know? Okay. 
So like water, heat constantly seeks equilibrium. Heat moves too cold until everything is the same temperature. Equilibrium. Nature. Trying to find that balance. It's know? the perfect, it's the balance of life. So here's some examples. When you put a thermometer out in the air, it will cool down until its temperature equals the environment. Then you read the temperature based on some measurement. That's the basic reading of temperature. When you put your finger in the air to feel how cold it is, the air is removing heat from your finger, like I said, and your brain interprets, interprets this as the sensation of cold and vice versa. If the air is hotter, the heat will come to your finger, which is cooler than the environment, and it will heat you up. So that's a sensory reception of temperature. As so you said, the relative. definition, it's not just the thermometer, but it's also how you perceive yeah, it. A thermometer is not your, your sensory system experiencing like, ooh, I'm getting cold, I'm getting hot. No, it's as is. It's just yeah. the temperature, you know? So this is what makes temperature sensation different from the actual temperature. If the wind is blowing or air has more moisture, this is a common one, then more heat transfer will occur. There are two basic effects um, to help base heat transfer. Um, the added transfer from the wind is one of the biggest factors. Your brain combines these as a single effect, and so it seems colder when the wind is blowing because it pulls moisture off your body. The moisture can carry more temperature. It's like induction of temperature. So is that also – so explain to me what's hotter than – like what's the, what's the real feel of like a summer day that has uh, 90% humidity? 90% humidity, well, as they say, it's it's more moist. So technically, the real feel is sometimes lower than the temperature actually says it is. But the humidity makes your body sweat and you're really feeling it. But they, they, count, they take account for the moisture pulling heat off your body, which is kind of mixed up. So that leads me to my final question of like, what, why don't we just use the real feel temperature in the first place? Well, there, there are these problems that you come across like humid days, you know. It doesn't, it's not, on a hot 90 degree summer day with like 90% humidity, I'm not going to say it's like, oh, it's definitely cooler than it says it is. It feels hotter, but with all these factors in consideration, there's more moisture in the air pulling more heat from your body. Yeah, you will cool down eventually and get used to the temperature as your body seeks that equilibrium based on those thermodynamic principles. But I'm not going to say it's a cool day. Yeah. It's still hot. Well, that's also, I feel like human perception goes into it a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Like my, oh, it's hot outside might be different than your. Absolutely. Our bodies, they, they are very similar, but it's a time difference. Like your body might adapt to weather faster than my body. Some people have bad blood circulation and blood has to, has a big part in this because blood is what keeps your body at a core temperature. Yeah. That keeps you warm. Whatever. Yeah. So everyone perceives it differently, you know, like. In here, I'm, like, kind of cool right now. I can feel the heat from my hand going into the room. Yeah, it's you like know, I'm kind of getting cooler now. My hands are a little cold, but the lights we got on us are awfully hot. So It's like a whole mix of everything yeah, going on here. It's a it's weird like, sensory overload. It's the environment constantly seeking that equilibrium. So that is that is what temperature should be perceived as. Now, to put it quantitatively into a number, that's... I, I don't yeah. know if there's a best way to do it. You know, that's why every weather channel, that's why AccuWeather has the real feel. Um, the weather, weather.com has uh, its own thing. It just feels says, like, like feels like, yeah. You know, every, every weather station is going to consider it a different temperature out, but it's based on how you perceive it. So the only real accurate way to tell the temperature is to go outside naked. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well it makes me think, like, if it's a cold, cold February day, like now, but there's no wind and then there's some sun like 
the sun coverage it's it feels nice you know yeah it's like, bearable i was you know? like it's cold outside right now it's in the 40s last time i checked but like i'm walking with my coat open and short sleeves and it's not bad because yeah. there's no wind but if you start to introduce like some city winds whipping up broad pulls the heat right off your skin yeah you know? and then yeah. that's when it starts to drop so is it really 40 degrees like or is it what do you perceive that's i guess what we take away from all this yeah you, rather than asking someone, what's the temperature out today? You should be like, how are you perceiving the temperature today? See, but then you Better also you it. also get the people who, like, they'll wear shorts no matter what the season. Yeah, they're, they're, that's the type of person. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, they wear I, shorts all the time. I have a friend who, um, I think who we does all that. Do. I was like, we all so do is comments. it like, is it cold outside? And he's like, you're asking the wrong person. Like, it's never cold. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope I taught you something about real temperature today and how you really feel it well i wonder how the d- nuclear winter will really feel will they have a real feel in in a nuclear winter i wonder how much the direct uv rays from the sun are going to change my perception of the day probably drastically yeah maybe we'll find I, maybe we'll find so. out one day and we'll yeah. have to uh, come back and talk about this in our time machine hopefully not though hopefully not but yeah. i think that's all we have for this week's episode of two top yeah and we'll see you guys next time for another two topics See ya. See ya. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg. Music this episode comes from Lee Rosevere. For more info about this week's episode, visit us at twotoppodcast.com. For general inquiries and feedback, send us an email at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. See you next week for another Two Topics.